Welcome to Radar Contact, the air traffic management podcast by Fox ATM. For this episode, uh, we want to talk about fatigue and especially fatigue in the context of air traffic control. And for this, my guest is uh, Xavier Preta, who is a professor at the French Civil Aviation School, ENAC in Toulouse. Xavier, welcome to the episode. Thank you. Thank you uh, for having me today. And, and before we dive deep into fatigue, can you please say a few words about yourself and the work you are doing with ENAC? Yes, of course. So I'm Xavier Preta. Formerly, I was air traffic controller at Reims uh, ACC, north, north of France, controlling the north part of uh, en route uh, France. Then I moved back to ENAC as a, as a teacher, as you said. And uh, now I'm working on the F FRMS, Fatigue Risk Management System, Center of Expertise at ENAC. And it's on behalf of this uh, Center of Expertise that uh, you have in me today. Uh, talking about fatigue in air traffic control in aviation in general. So what is exactly the impact of fatigue on, on air traffic controllers? And what is considered a typical acceptable fatigue level for this critical person? So generally speaking, for all people, in fact, you can have that for air traffic controller, pilots, etc. But you, we are all human at the end. You will have, uh, due to fatigue, you will have lapses, lapses, micro sleeps, fall of concentration, uh, and of course, uh, alertness, uh, fall of alertness. You will also uh, find uh, in scientific papers that the cognitive skills of uh, people are slowly but surely uh, decreasing with fatigue. You of, uh, also will encounter night drowsiness, mainly in the what we call vocal window of circadian law, uh, which is kind of slot between midnight and four hours uh, in the morning. It's exactly where your um, body clock is very uh, low and you are supposed to sleep. But when you are air traffic controller uh, during night duty, you are not uh, sleeping. You will also have problem about sleep inertia. Sleep inertia uh, occurs when you, you wake up from a sleep. In fact, you have to know that your brain is not able to turn on immediately. You will have something like between five up to 20 minutes before your brain is fully operative. So uh, sleep inertia is uh, very important to know in aviation when we talk about safety and the impact of fatigue on safety uh, operation. Unfortunately, we have a lot of uh, example of incidents and of course accidents due to sleep inertia. For example, Rio Paris, Air France Rio Paris in 2009. Etc. Uh, Etc. Et so, but more than about uh, safety-related problems, you also have health problems for operators. Uh, you have sleep apnea. You have obesity, which can be linked to fatigue uh, or bad uh, sleep habits. Um, you also have digestive problems, etc. So you see, fatigue is in one end problem with uh, about safety for aviation, but also a problem for Hills in general. So definitely we try to uh, understand all the processes around fatigue and aviation. Another thing you asked is the how we can measure fatigue. So we have different ways to try to measure that. The mainly used are uh, some subjective scales we use in aviation. Subjective scales which has been scientifically validated uh, during scientific protocols. 
we use mainly two different scales in fatigue risk management system in aviation. The first one is SAM Peredi scales, which is seven level of fatigue. It's a subjective scale, sorry. So we ask the operator to answer where he can put himself on this scale. So it's, for example, the first one is fully alert, while awake. Um, the second is very likely responsive, but not at a peak, etc. And the seventh rank is completely exhausted, unable to function effectively. Of course, if you score seven, you are not supposed to work as an air traffic controller or as a pilot. And thanks to this kind of scale, you are able to determine if there is a risk for the duty, for the coming duty, or in fact, you can ask the operator to put himself on the scale at the beginning of the duty, then to repeat the operation at the end of the duty. And by making the difference between the, the beginning and the, the end of the duty, you can find yeah, how much this duty is uh, exhausting or not. So this is typically the, the subjective scale we, we use. But we also try to use, of course, objective scale. In fact, you, you have to know that, unfortunately, we are not uh, very good as human to estimate our own fatigue level. And moreover, the more you are fatigued, the less you know your fatigue level. So it's another risk for safety here. Uh, so we try to also use objective scales, objective tools. Uh, for example, it's very common to um, ask operator to fill uh, sleep logs because sleep is the main part of restoring and try to fight against fatigue. Uh, so with sleep logs, where you ask how the operator has slept the night before, you are able to find a very important dimension of how fatigue, exhausted he is or not. It's really interesting what you said, because maybe it's, it's me being a bit naive, but I have the impression I can feel when I'm fatigued and how fatigued I am. So, you know, it, it seems like something that is part of our life, our daily lives. And, and it's really interesting to see that there is really a need to manage fatigue. Yeah, in fact, there is because uh, you you know, uh, thanks to your experience, how fatigued you are. But to a certain point, you are able to to figure out how you are fatigued or not. But the activities of air traffic controller, the same for pilots, are very stressful. I would say with some kind of adrenaline situation, etc. So it's fight against fatigue. So it's a good part of it, but the wrong part of it is that it's, it's very hard to figure out if you are exhausted or just a little bit fatigued, etc. When you are working on, I don't know, a project on, for example, typing some uh, word, a report or something like this, well, fatigue is uh, here not a real big problem because uh, at the end of the, 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 the task, you will maybe make some spelling uh, mistake, etc. But for pilots and air traffic controller, uh, mistakes are often uh, related to security, safety, etc. So it's very important to be able to understand the processes which are behind the fatigue and being able to evaluate that and to mitigate the risk behind that. It's not very easy to understand why we have to uh, manage fatigue in aviation. In fact, just little example. First, what about the IKO definition of fatigue? IKO says that fatigue is a physiological state of reduced mental or physical performance capability resulting from sleep loss or extended wakefulness, circadian phase, workload. So you see it's a lot of scientific work in it. Then they had that can impair. So this 
scientific things around fatigue can impair a crew members. So the same for air traffic controller, uh, alertness and ability to safely operate an aircraft. And of course, uh, air traffic control duty and or perform safely related duties. So for ICAO, it's very clear that fatigue can be a foe, an enemy of uh, safety during the duties of operator, pilots, air traffic controller. You have the same for flight attendants, for uh, mechanical staff, etc. All people working on night shift, uh, day shift, etc. Rostering uh, with different aspects of the day and the night, and all the all people having yeah safety related duties. It's very important to to try to address that. We talked a lot so far about measuring fatigue, but how can you take corrective measures? Is it like a colleague tells you, hey, guy, you, you are too fatigued, you should not be working tonight, I will relieve you? Or also, are there also things that an organization can do to prevent fatigue in the first place? Yeah, in fact, boss, well, first, you have to, to make some uh, learning programs about fatigue just about operators, because as you said, in the Occidental culture, we, we think that fatigue is something that we can manage by ourselves. But in fact, it's more than ourselves. It's at the team level and also at the full organizational level. So in fact, it's, it's like any kind of uh, safety management system. You have to consider threats uh, for safety, for example, technical threats, okay, how we, we deal with technical threat in, uh, in a safety management system. Fatigue, it's the same, in fact. So you have, well, would say three main, three main phases uh, or steps. You have the, the predictive one, where you try to use biomathematical model about uh, rostering. Of course, uh, it's only a sign of what could be the, reali- the real fatigue behind a roster, but only a sign. You can use previous experience, for example, yeah, we know that duties, this duty uh, last year was very uh, exhausting due to, I don't know, uh, for example, Monaco Grand Prix, uh, very uh, typical events you can have, etc. So you can try to collect those information and try to say, okay, the in, in two, three or five days, four days, etc. This is going to be a very challenging uh, duty around fatigue. So yeah, we have to take care about that right now. So this is the, the predictive step. Then you have the, the proactive step uh, where you try to uh, use self-report, uh, self-reported fatigue aspects by uh, operators themselves, trying to see how people are managing their sleep and how it is the right way for the duties, etc. Try to, to increase the, the, the awareness around fatigue and proactively. And then, of course, you have the, the last one is the, the reactive phase where you have an incident that occurs and you have to uh, try to see if fatigue uh, was the, the main contribution of the, of the incident or only one part or not at all. But you have to think about fatigue now in organization uh, level uh, when you try to investigate about incident, accident, etc. So you see, we have the, the, those three uh, steps which all together mixed in a full process, which we call a fatigue risk management system. And we try to, to increase the, or to decrease the risk due to fatigue and to increase the safety because decreasing the risk of due to fatigue, of course. 
In your last answer, you re you mentioned the way the Occidental culture deals with fatigue. Does that mean other parts of the world manage and perceive fatigue differently? Yeah, it's 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 very interesting uh, your question, last question, because in Occidental culture, fatigue is something you want to hide. You don't want to to show your fatigue level. In fact, it's something private. It can show that you are weak. Uh, so it's not a good sign. So it's not a good way of uh, uh, safety culture trying to improve that. Well, we have a kind of behavior which can be improved and so we talk about it, etc. Around fatigue, the Occidental culture is not very, I would say, good with that uh, safety culture we try to, to implement. On the other part of the world, for example, in, in Asia, fatigue is a good stuff, in fact. It's very funny. You can find Asian people falling asleep on, on the desk and it's very good to, sh to, to show that because it, it, it's a proof that that you are a hard worker in, in those kind of culture so it's typically fully different uh, around culture aspect of, around fatigue so when you try to manage fatigue you have to take uh, these uh, different cultures into account because the the answer you will try to implement will be probably different from a country to another one, and from uh, one organization to another one, etc. You, in fact, you you have a process which is well known, tailor-made for airlines or air navigation safety provider. But you have to fine-tune that for the the activities the most precisely you you can. So around culture, around local uh, habits, around the activities itself. If there is a change, for example, uh, if you change an aircraft, you have no in, in company, they have to answer if this new aircraft will increase or decrease the risk around fatigue. Of course, you, it's uh, very easy to understand. For example, a whole kind of aircraft is more tiring than a new one. But you also have to consider that the new HMI, etc., new automation in uh, cockpit has to be, have to be uh, very precisely, have to be investigated uh, in a way, uh, well, fatigue, yes or not, more or less, etc. But it's exactly the same for air traffic control. If you try to uh, implement a new tool, for example, uh, electronic environment, you have to uh, try to uh, figure out if there is more or less fatigue or Another way, another kind of fatigue, for example, maybe more cognitive fatigue, etc., but less this and try to see uh, how to, to deal with. Talking about uh, big changes in the environment, we are now um, a bit more than a year in the COVID pandemics and the signals are hopefully good now these days. But did that have impact on, on air traffic controllers' fatigue? Were there changes? Were they kind of relieved? Or was there for them easier to manage or was it even worse because of the crisis? I would say uh, it was different and it will be different. In fact, it had a lot of impact and it will have a lot of impact in the, the coming days, weeks, months, as we are facing hopefully uh, an increase of traffic. Uh, during, COVID, during COVID, we had, of course, lower activity in air traffic management. So... How say that? At the first glance, you you would say less traffic, less workload, so less fatigue. Yes, but during the night, for example, it's not about fatigue; it's about drowsiness, it's about lack of alertness. If, even if you are a good uh, sleep behaviors, etc. So when you have an amount of traffic which is enough to keep you, I would say, challenged by 
the situation, etc. So it's it's better than very low traffic level. And during the last pandemic, 2020, I had a lot of reports coming from French operational air traffic control rooms trying to investigate why they had more incidents than the year before. It was strange because there was 20-25% of normal traffic, so I would not say nothing, but very low traffic. But surprisingly, they, they had more incidents. And it's 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 about that, in fact, because you have a lack of challenging situation, etc. Keep keep keeping your alertness high as a at good level uh, during nights. During the past year, it, it it was all about this kind of aspect about fatigue. But uh, now, as the traffic uh, is increasing, of course, we had something like one year uh, without uh, traffic or very low traffic level. So you have to understand that the skills of air traffic controller have not been trained as usual, I would say. And now we have this very steep curve of traffic increasing during this summer, which is good for economy. But this is also a challenging aspect for safety because with a lower training about skills, etc., I think air traffic controllers will maybe have more stress in the the coming weeks to be able to face these situations because their skills had a little bit decreased during pandemic. So they will have more stress. Uh, so, and stress, of course, results in more fatigue. So it's a kind of potential vicious cycle. So it's very important for the managers of air navigation providers to understand that they are to be very focused on this particular season of this summer where traffic is increasing and about uh, fatigue-related aspects, I would say. You mentioned cockpit and cabin crew quite a lot during that, that discussion. Are there many works that are done for air traffic controllers that can be applied to the cockpits and vice versa? Are these completely different worlds? We are all human, so the basic knowledge, scientific knowledge, are the same for pilots and for air traffic controllers, for flight attendants, for etc. etc. The circadian reason are the same. The sleep inertia aspect are the same, etc. So the overall process to manage the, the risk related to fatigue is almost the same. But in fact, all those people, they don't have the same activities. Uh, air traffic controlling is not piloting. They all have different safety-related aspects to deal with. And so uh, to be able to have the proper process in place, you have to fine-tune this process for every different activities. So you will not use the same tools. You will develop, for example, Air New Zealand has put in place top of descent subjective scales question. So pilots have to fill this top of descent question at the top of descent of the aircraft, of course. Uh, but this is typically the tools you, you are not, uh, it, it, it's not, it's, it's not useful for air traffic control. You have to, to, to invent something else. For example, as I mentioned, you can ask air traffic controller at the beginning of their duty and then ask at the end of the duty and et cetera, et cetera. So you have to uh, find the most precise approach of uh, fatigue management for every activities. Uh, for example, uh, about pilots, it's very important to understand where they are sleeping. The, the hotels are 
good quality, bad quality, etc., because it will have a huge impact of fatigue, on fatigue management. Of course, uh, about air traffic controller, it does not exist. Air traffic controller are sleeping at home or at the up room. So you have to just to investigate what about the bedroom in the up room. Are they good or not, etc., etc. So it's typically those kind of very slight but very important differences you have to investigate. Thank you. Now looking at the future with the question we ask every guest at the end of our episodes, how do you see changes and evolution in fatigue and sleep management in, in the next five years first? And then to go much farther down, how do you see the changes in that domain in, in 50 years from now? Yeah, this is a very interesting question because in fact, I believe that today we are not properly, adequately addressing fatigue aspect in air traffic control, in air traffic management. I would not say we are not doing, we are doing nothing. No, no, we are doing some little things which are very important, but I think we are not addressing this issue uh, far enough. And so in the next five years, I think, for example, upstream supervisors will have to manage fatigue aspect of their crew, in fact, of their roster. Now they are managing the flow management, for example. This is related to the workload of air traffic controllers. But this is one, on one end, you manage the flow management. Okay, the workload is uh, managed. Okay, but what about the fatigue? Today, it's something which is done with a very poor professional aspect, I would say. So we have, in, in the next five years, we have to be very proactive about putting some new tools, new procedures to help supervisors to have a full upstream view about workload and about fatigue. Okay, for example, one colleague has come to his duty at six in the morning. It's something like four in the afternoon, so he has more than 10 hours now working. So maybe I would try to put him on not hard sector, for example, just try to try to manage. Them. So I think in the next five years, we have to implement so little tools, for example, with biomathematical models, etc., to help supervisor to manage fatigue adequately. And in the next maybe 10, 20 years, we all know that we now are facing kind of revolution with algorithm, deep learning algorithm artificial intelligences, etc. So I believe in uh, coming future, we will see some tools able to collect objective data about fatigue level or air traffic controllers. For example, what we call the perclo, the percentage of eye closure, which is a good sign of fatigue level. For example, the voice, we know there is a link between how you pronounce some, some syllables linked to the, your fatigue level. And gathering all those data, you will be able with deep learning, etc., to say, okay, this air traffic controller is beginning to have moderate fatigue level now. Maybe it's time to, to propose a rest or something like this. And just to give this information to the supervisors as well. I think today it's not feasible, but I believe this is going to be very important in the, in the near future. For example, you will be able to link new tools, new HMI to improve situation awareness lively, taking into account the fatigue level of the air traffic controller himself in fact, or herself. So I think it's what we will see in the next 10, 20 years developments about IT and about artificial intelligence. Xavier, thanks a lot for being our guest today. And Thank I hope you very much. It's a pleasure to see you again soon. Yeah. This was Radar Contact. Visit foxatm.com or your favorite podcast platform for more.